Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, and we are off and running. The 2020 free agency window is officially open, and the Miami Dolphins are officially not messing around. This team is continuing to tap into the Patriots pipeline with a relentless pace, but with that in mind, I do think there is some acknowledgement that the Dolphins aren't simply taking square pegs for square holes and round pegs for round holes. They're taking Play-Doh players. And what I mean by that is players that are capable of fitting and filling a number of different positions. That That is the priority for the Dolphins is establishing Scheme versatility, whereas I think you look at a team like the Detroit Lions, who is also plucking a bunch of uh, New England Patriots and has been plucking New England Patriots for the entire time that Matt Patricia's been there. They're, they're desperately trying to make it Patriots West to Miami's Patriots South. And the Lions, uh, one of the problems that they've had is they have such a specific point of view and scope in which they look at certain needs. And and the Jelani Tavai pick for the Detroit Lions is a perfect example of a guy who is, quite frankly, going to be a two-down player. He's going to fill the quote-unquote Devonta Freeman role. And he is a player that they made like a top 50 pick. And that value really doesn't align with that position and that role. And I think Detroit is playing with fire a little bit. Playing Trey Flowers, that's that's why I was really proud of the Dolphins doing what they did to walk away from paying Trey Flowers, what they what Detroit ended up paying him last year. And says, well, we need a front side defensive end. Well, the Dolphins came out and they're they're getting Trey Flowers money out of Emmanuel Agba and Shaq Lawson. And I think both um, Agba and Lawson maybe don't have the, the pass rush ceiling that Trey Flowers has, but they're every bit as stout against the run. They're, they've got every bit as much length and heavy hands and the dirty work. And let Brian Flores' scheme move the pieces around to create the pass rush productivity. So I think that it, there is a little bit of a difference in the way the Dolphins are tapping the Patriots' pipeline versus the way you see a team like the Detroit's, Detroit Lions tapping the Patriots' pipeline. But the big story for me, the biggest story for me, among the Elan and Roberts signing, who's going to be a, a special teams dynamo for the Dolphins, uh, is the Ted Karras signing. And not because Ted Karras is going to come into Miami and he's going to serve as this massive upgrade at center. Ted Karras is uh, an, an average starting center at this point in the NFL, and he played well in between two of the better guards in the league in, in Shaq Mason and Joe Thune last year in New England. Uh, but he was the backup to David Andrews. And and Ted Karras opted, this This is a report that came out from uh, the Miami Herald and has since been backed up by a number of different other, other resources. Ted Karras took less money to play for the Miami Dolphins in 2020 than what the New England Patriots offered them. 
Let that sink in for a second. A guy in Ted Karras, who came in in 2016, served as their primary utility interior backup, started the entire year last year for the Patriots system, took less money to play for the Miami Dolphins, a team that eight months ago everybody said we needed to open an investigation against because they were destroying the sanctity of the game. (laughs) How quickly things change, right? That's a huge win for Miami. And granted, Miami is going to afford Ted Karras opportunity, maybe not necessarily an opportunity that he would even have in... New England, as as far as if David Andrews comes back from the blood clots that have been in his lungs and and kept him out of 2019 and on injured reserve, Ted Karras may go back to being a backup making $6 million a year. Well, Ted says, I'd rather make four and go play for the Dolphins for a guy I know I like in Brian Flores, try and show I can be a starting center of high quality, and then earn myself a big pay grade again next year. It's a smart play for Karras, but but it's also a big win for the Dolphins in that you don't typically see... People who take less money to play for teams are typically going to go play for a team like New England, not for a team that went 5-11 the previous year. It's the best example yet we have that the Miami Dolphins and their culture and their locker room and what they're building the principles that they've stuck to and have decided to stake their flag in the ground for are working because you have players from championship programs that survey the landscape and identify Miami as a unique opportunity for a pace to play and bet on myself, but a place I would also want to be. So Miami deserves a tip of the cap for that. You know, this this is the time of year for all 32 teams where you're going to get optimism. And you're going to have the opportunity to, to skew and shade any event into your favor and, and craft it as an argument. So I understand why there's enthusiasm across all fronts across the league, and I understand why there's skepticism for, for people on the outside who maybe look at the Dolphins and... and what they're doing, and even ESPN uh, had a, a written article for free agency that came out and said the Dolphins were one of the losers of free agency because they're trying to be uh, Patriot South. Well, last I checked, three of the four biggest money signings the Dolphins had came from teams that were other than New England. Byron Jones came from Dallas. Kyle Van Noy came from New England. And then you have two guys that signed three-year, $30 million deals in Shaq Lawson and Eric Flowers, neither of which came from New England. Is it just easy? Is it easy because they're signing versatile defenders? Like, Elan and Roberts, for example, had a great career to start his career with Brian Flores in the building. And then Brian Flores left, and Elan and Roberts saw his playing time phased out. And eventually he was asked to play fullback. He caught a touchdown pass against the Dolphins in week 17. Like a catch and run, too. Not just like, oh, yeah, we're down on the goal line. Here's our heavy set. Versatile football players like that who play special teams that have a relationship with Brian Flores make sense to add those players. 
Ted Karras, I mean, yeah, the Dolphins need interior offensive linemen. Any Patriots free agents have had working experience with Dante Scarnecchia, the best offensive line coach in the league who's retired this offseason. If you're not going to go work for, or if you're not going to go play for Dante again next year, go play somewhere else. Take what you learned with you. So I'm not buying in on the selling that you're seeing and the skepticism for the Dolphins for, for whatever reason that may be. And we have a right to be optimistic, especially because what the expectations for this, for this team were this time last year, in August and September, versus what they are now. And don't lose sight of that because that, that perspective is important and it gives us as Dolphins fans the fuel to look at the leadership that's been put in place and the change in system and mentality. Again, don't get lost in that the Dolphins are spending money. The Dolphins are spending money, yes. Dolphins have spent money in the past before, yes. But the entire structure of the Dolphins has been turned on its head versus what it was under Mike Tannenbaum and Jeff Ireland. Completely turned on its head. Dolphins have never been volume drafters. They are now. They got 14 picks, most in the league, although Jacksonville's coming in close. They're up to 12. Cap space at their disposal, front-loading contracts. Opportunities, they're building themselves responsible outs in the event that free agent additions don't work. Miami in the past would say, hey, you know, we really want you to come here. We're going to give you whatever you want. Just please come play. Oh, you want guaranteed money for all six years? That's fine. We'll take a $25 million cap hit in year four of a record-setting contract. They're not doing that anymore. Arrow is pointing up, my friends. And as such, I've taken the opportunity, mid-free agency, can't wait for this to be obsolete in three days, to do a Dolphins seven-round mock draft. And to not only do a seven-round mock draft, but to also do a 53-man roster projection based on free agency and that seven-round mock draft, which we're going to get into, but not before this brief pause, for sponsor identification. Are you ready to crack open a Miami Dolphins seven-round mock draft sponsored by Monster Energy Drinks? This was not literally sponsored by Monster Energy Drink, but my blood was probably 50% white monster when I wrote it. Felt it was appropriate to give them a shout-out for being a uh, effectively gasoline for the energy system as a football media guy working uh, during the course of the free agency window. So here's how we're going to split this up. Uh, the seven-round mock and the 53-man roster projection with the picks that were included in that and free agents. I'm going to work through the mock now, and then after our second sponsor break, I will come back and we will do the full 53-man projection based on who made the cut. Dolphins at five. Still have them drafting Tua, although I do think Dolphins fans, there needs to be a little bit of apprehension here. Uh, I think we do need to brace ourselves for all possibilities. You know, I've said that since I, when I first started doing Locked On Dolphins, one of the first mocks that I did involved having the Dolphins drafting Justin Herbert. You need to be aware of this, and this is the reason why. 
Tua, with his hip injury, was scheduled to hold a throwing session on April 9th. That, in the midst of the coronavirus outbreak across the country, is going to be right in the heart of like a potential government quarantine shutdown. And the NFL has decided they are not going to push back the NFL draft. If Tua does not have the opportunity to throw for teams before the draft, all bets are off. Because you don't know where each team felt comfortable with the players. Teams are not going to have medical recheck, or players are not going to have medical rechecks at their disposal, at least not in the, the traditional capacity we've seen in the past. This is a very, very peculiar, unique, and strange set of circumstances. And I just want to brace you for the possibility that it might happen. For the mock, I gave them Tua. Because there's so much smoke there with the interest in Tua. But this team is increasingly looking more likely that they can stay in five and have their choice between the two. Him or Justin Herbert. But this team is going to have to make that decision. And I don't know how many more opportunities this team is going to have to see Tua before rolling the dice and betting that he will get back to 100% and that the hip has not affected his ability to throw the football. That's a total shot in the dark. So just brace yourselves for the possibility. But I did give them two at five. We get to 18. I really don't like my options. Uh, the top four offensive tackles were gone. I took advantage of the fact that the Minnesota Vikings recently did a trade with the Buffalo Bills and gained the 22nd overall pick in the draft. So I traded back from 18 to 22. Picked up, uh, I believe the pick was 89. And then hypothetically, like another third round pick in 2021. So the Dolphins trade back from 18 to 22 in order to draft Josh Jones, the offensive tackle out of Houston. And here's why. Vikings jumped up and get Javon Kinlaw in that 18 spot. The teams that are in between 18 and 22 are the Raiders, who have two offensive tackles, the Jaguars, who have two offensive tackles, and the Philadelphia Eagles, who have two offensive tackles. I didn't have to worry about a single one of those teams getting in on a tackle run. So trade back to 22, pick up another day two selection. Josh Jones, Houston uh, Cougars, is the pick at 22. I like him more in the mid-20s. I think his sweet spot's probably 26, but if we're going to draft Tua, we're going to need a really stout offensive line around us to make sure that things are proper and that he gets the best possible protection he can to protect him from himself when he's looking to make too, a little too much happen, which is one of the, the, the very select few marks on his resume that are things uh, I'd like to really see him focus on and get better at. The third first-round pick at 26, Cesar Ruiz, the interior offensive lineman from the University of Michigan. We all know Stephen Ross loves his Michigan guys, right? Ruiz can play center. He can play guard. But most importantly, he fits the same cow power component that you saw the Dolphins seemingly gravitate towards with the signing of Eric Flowers and the signing of Jordan Howard. So this offensive line for the Dolphins is now going to have Josh Jones, Eric Flowers, presumably Ted Karras at center. Cesar Ruiz can play right guard and in the long term be your power center. And then Jesse Davis at right tackle. 
It's about as good of an overhaul as you could possibly hope for in one offseason. They're not done. I'd still like to see them upgrade Jesse Davis for what it's worth. And if you move Ruiz to center in the long term, you're going to need another right guard. Uh, but Dolphins' first round is Tua Tonga-Viola, Josh Jones, Cesar Ruiz. Moving to round two, pick 39. A lot of smoke around J.K. Dobbins. I wouldn't make this pick, but if I'm being predictive, J.K. Dobbins is a player that I think they're going to want. He's got a little bit more pass-catching ability to his game than what Jordan Howard does. He's a little bit more stringy in, in lateral cuts and being able to bounce to an adjacent gap to create some stuff on his own. Jordan Howard, I think, will be a little bit more reliant on the line creating creases for him. Dobbins, and especially you know if you get into horizontal spacing like we've seen from, from Chan Gailey's offense in New York uh, when he was there, conceptually, I liked a lot of what they did. It was more personnel wasn't great. They had a lot of over-the-hill wide receivers and Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall and so you get a horizontal spacing, and that gets into a lot of the spacing stress issues that Dobbins had the luxury of running with at Ohio State. So you got a power run game with spacing concepts, and suddenly you're talking a lot about what Alabama's offense looked like in 2019, in which they took you know, a heavy downhill run game and complemented it with RPO tagging off the backside of runs and stuff like that. So Dobbins, he makes sense. He's the pick at 39. We get down here to 56, and I'm going to take a safety. Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois. If you're not versed on this kid's game, please take some time this weekend and watch Jeremy Chin play football. Southern Illinois, uh, he is a, an equal athlete from a testing perspective to Isaiah Simmons, but he played at an FCS school, and he's 15 to 20 pounds lighter. Isaiah Simmons ran 439 and had these explosive testing or testing numbers at 238 pounds. Jeremy Chin is more of a safety at 221, but he ran 445, had like a 41-inch vert, had like an 11-foot, 6-inch broad jump. Big bench press, like he is a freak athlete. And as the Minka Fitzpatrick role, a guy that can play on the second level, and play the run in sub-packages, can play half deep half field. You can play him some single high. I wouldn't necessarily recruit him as a pure single high safety. Chin has a ton of potential in this defense for Brian Flores as another chess piece to move around and be multiple, and I really like that fit. We get to round three. Dolphins pick at 70. Devon Hamilton, a defensive tackle from Ohio State. Kyle, we've already got a bunch of interior defensive linemen. You're not wrong, but... The Dolphins need a nose. And we just saw Michael Pierce go off the board yesterday. He signed in free agency elsewhere. He will not be playing in Miami. That was the guy on my wish list. Devon Hamilton is a big body, 6'4", 327 pounds, and put on the Wisconsin tape. Tyler Beattis was a really popular name to, to attach to the Dolphins throughout the course of the season in mock drafts. Put on Wisconsin and watch Devon Hamilton make Tyler Beattis look like a small child. Because he did. Again and again and again and again. Uh, really good value, I think, as far as positional value as a nose tackle, a guy that doesn't necessarily give you a lot of pass rush. This is about the sweet spot. I could see him going in the second round, but I got him at 70. He was on the board uh, as I used the DraftNetwork.com's mock draft simulator. That's not a cheap plug. I work at the Draft Network, I promise. The pick I got in the trade back with Minnesota, I got uh, 89. 
Khalid Kareem from Notre Dame, another long-armed, heavy-handed defensive end. 6'4", 265. I really like this dude's game. He's got a really pleasant amount of burst, and he's a little more fluid and a little bit more bendy than what you would expect. Think of him kind of cut from the same cloth as a Shaq Lawson. Is he a true speed presence off the edge? No, but I think Miami could really afford to start gravitating towards an embarrassment of riches in the front seven and have the depth that you can just rotate these guys in and out and keep them fresh. And between Agba, Kareem, and Lawson, you've got enough length and powerful hands and run defending and linear twitch that I think you can you know, effectively say that this strong side defensive end spot that you're going to have Kyle Van Noy a lot of times rushing off his hip from the outside is going to be in really good position. I think this is a developmental starter in Khalid Kareem from Notre Dame. Really like what he brings to the table. Round four, Miami only gets one pick. They trade up, and they go get Michael Unwenyu from Michigan. This guy, speaking of big boys, 6'3", 350 pounds. He was Michigan's right guard. He played next to Cesar Ruiz. So we're bringing those two guys in together. And Onwenu is a little bit more raw as far as pass protection, but I had a chance to see him at the Shrine Bowl this past year, and this dude will take you for a ride. And I am so tired of watching defensive linemen come crashing through Dolphins' gaps in the run game. So if you've got an interior offensive line in the long run, Onwenu's probably not a year one starter. But if he develops the way that you'd like him to and based on his potential, and you can have Eric Flowers, Cesar Ruiz, and Michael Nwenyu, Eric Flowers is over 320, Cesar Ruiz is over 320, Michael Nwenyu is 350 pounds. You got Josh Jones, an athletic tackle, to play on the outside. Let's go get a right tackle. Let's freaking go to war. Let's go punch guys in the mouth and run downhill, right down their throats. Because that's what this offense could become. And then you've got to have teams stack the box to stop the run. And you're going to space it and spread the field out so that they've got to cover every yard of the field from a width perspective. And you put those linebackers and safeties in binds. And you start building RPOs off of them. And you start running quick game off of it. And you start running double moves with play action passing and go up over the top against it. Where the, the entire stretching and spacing of the field is there? This works if you've got the run game. And the way you get the run game is you go out and you get guys like Nguyenu and developing them into starters. You get a bunch of beef in the middle. He's, a, he's pretty athletic for a big dude, too. So I had to make sure that this was a guy I had to go get. Go get your guys, as they say. And as we say on this podcast, the middle rounds are the money rounds. So to land him in the, fifth, or in the fourth round felt like a steal for me. Fifth round, the Dolphins draft Tyree Cleveland, wide receiver from Florida, special teams ability. Uh, he's got some speed. That's the one component. The Dolphins, uh, a lot of their speedy guys are a little bit more fragile. Uh, Jakeem Grant, two years on the IR. Tyree Cleveland is a little bit of a bigger body at 6'3", 205. But he could still run and get on the hoof. So he felt made sense as a special teams guy, wide receiver, potential slot target. Uh, sixth round, uh, based on the trades, that I have done to manipulate the draft board to go get uh, Michael and Wenyu. Not available. No picks in the sixth round. And then seventh round, I got three late-round guys. Uh, Garrett Marino from UAB, who would be like a rush specialist interior defensive lineman. Actually had like offers from like Clemson, but played at UAB. Uh, athletic traits aren't really there from like a length perspective, but as a rotational pass rush specialist, 
He's really good with his hand counters, can get in inside gaps. Olawole Batiku Jr. from Illinois. Uh, his position coach at Illinois has been hired on the Dolphins coaching staff. This felt like a, a layup as a potential practice squad addition for Batiku, who was, used to be a five-star, was at USC, and then transferred to Illinois, had nine and a half sacks last year. And then Kevin McGill from Eastern Michigan, who is 6'2", 200, 205, really long arms, like 33-inch arms, really physical press guy, but super raw, obviously playing at Eastern Michigan, so a developmental uh, cornerback for the the Miami Dolphins to land here at the end of the seventh round as a potential practice squad or bottom of the roster guy as well. So that's the mock draft. We're going to come back. We're going to rip through real quick the 53-man roster. I want to make sure I get it in today so you guys get a chance to process it because if I know if I leave it tomorrow, they're going to sign somebody big and it's going to ruin it. So <laughs> stick with us right after this brief pause for sponsor notification. We're going to rip through the Dolphins 53-man roster based on my most recent 7 or Mac for the Dolphins and the moves they've made thus far in free agency. Okay, turbo round. I know you guys are very busy people. I don't want to take up any more time than you have to, and we're running up against it here. Dolphins 53-man roster projection. On offense, three quarterbacks. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tua Tunga-Viola, Josh Rosen. Tua, obviously the, the top pick in the class. Josh Rosen does not have the value to go anywhere, so he's going to stay. Running back, four. Free agent addition Jordan Howard is the lead back to start. J.K. Dobbins, the, the 39th pick. Patrick Laird, potential Danny Woodhead type pass catcher role. Niche back. Chandler Cox at fullback. Wide receivers have the Dolphins keeping six. Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Jakeem Grant, Allen Hearns. Uh, Parker, Grant, and Hearns all signed contract extensions in the last 12 months. Tyree Cleveland, the special teams addition, and Mac Hollins, another guy with a vertical component down the field and special teams capabilities and kick coverage. Tight end, three, Mike Gusecki, Durham Smythe, Michael Roberts, who they signed earlier this uh, offseason as well. Left tackle, Josh Jones, Julian Davenport. Left guard, Eric Flowers, free agent addition, Michael Dieters, the primary swing interior offensive lineman. Center, Ted Karras, free agent addition. I'm going to put Cesar Ruiz at right guard because I want to get him in the starting lineup, and then you've got Unwenu as the developmental guy behind him and Shaq Calhoun. Right tackle, Jesse Davis. Davis has positional flexibility. Ruiz has positional flexibility. Michael Dieter has positional flexibility. Davenport could serve as a swing tackle. In total, you've got 3, 7, 13, 16, 18, 20, 21, 22, 25 players on offense. You've got three specialists, Jason Sanders, Matt Hack, and Tabor Pepper, kicker, punter, long snapper, which means you've got 25 defenders as well. Our interior, quote-unquote, interior defensive line, our defensive tackles, our three, four defensive ends, our nose tackles, all these guys that are going to play in the middle. Christian Wilkins, Devon Gottschall, Devon Hamilton. I'd like to see us bring back John Jenkins as well. And then you've got Khalid Kareem, who we drafted. He plays 265-270. Primarily defensive end, hand in the dirt. I didn't want to classify him as a rush linebacker. 
because I think he will live better early on in the NFL in the B-gap than on the outside. Speaking of rush linebackers, we've got four of them. Shaq Lawson, free agent addition. Emmanuel Ogba, free agent addition. Vince Beagle, bring him back. Andrew Van Ginkle, fifth-round pick from last year's draft. Kyle Van Noy winning the inside linebacker group because I think a majority of his snaps will come at an off-ball linebacker spot, but that doesn't mean he still won't be used in a pressure situation. So our inside linebackers, Kyle Van Noy, Jerome Baker, Raekwon McMillan, and two more free agent additions in Elan and Roberts, who they just signed, special teams Dynamo, Dynamo and Camus Gruger-Hill, another special teams Dynamo who has a history with the Patriots and Brian Flores. Cornerbacks. I have six. Xavier Howard, Byron Jones. Been asked a lot about Xavier Howard as of late. I'll talk about that tomorrow. Nick Needham. Obviously the big UDFA riser. Jamal Wiltz. Let's run it back. Cordrea Tankersley. I'm not ready to give up on him yet. Because he had really good tape at Clemson. And he was promising when he played. If he can't make it in 2020, then I'm ready to pull the plug. But we haven't seen him, so I'm not ready to call it quits just yet. And Kevin McGill. I'll put Kevin McGill on this roster. And safeties, I've got four. Versatility is through the nose. Bobby McCain, Eric Rowe, Jeremy Chin, and Clayton Fejadellum. I probably butchered the hell out of that, but he's a free agent addition. And if you give me time, I will get it right. Ten defensive backs. Think your primary DBs. You're looking at Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Nick Needham, Bobby McCain, Eric Rowe, Jeremy Chin. McCain and Rowe both have experience at corner. That gives you a ton of multiplicity. Chin is a guy that can roll down and play linebacker. So based on mismatches, you can divvy these guys up however really you want. And I know people want a true single high free safety. I didn't see value that I like there. Uh, I think Bobby McCain is a fine NFL defender. I think he can start. I'm not ready to pull the plug on the experiment to free safety based off of half a season. Uh, I think Bobby has enough transitional quickness to do well in that role. It's just a matter of how well he acclimates. So if we were to look through the starting lineup, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jordan Howard, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Jakeem Grant, Mike Gusecki are your offensive skill players. Your offensive line is starters based on the, the free agent moves we've made to this point in time in the seven-round mock draft is Josh Jones, a rookie starter at, at offensive tackle, Eric Flowers, free agent addition, Ted Karras, free agent addition, Cesar Ruiz, another first-round pick, Jesse Davis, four new starters in the offensive line. If we're going to go with base defense, let's go base 3-4 defense. I would say your starters, interior trio is Christian Wilkins, Devon Hamilton, and Devon Godshell. There's your nose tackle starting. Your four outside linebackers, your two rush linebackers. I will put Kyle Van Noy at rush linebacker in this scenario. So Shaq Lawson and Kyle Van Noy is the two stand-up guys on the MA in the line of scrimmage. Raekwon McMillan and Jerome Baker as the two interior guys. Raekwon's the guy that's going to flow and plug downhill. Jerome Baker's the guy that's going to scrape over top and flow sideline to sideline, be that scrape defender, because he's got the range to do it. And your cornerbacks, Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, 
your safeties are Bobby McCain and Eric Rowe. Drastically different football team than what we saw at the end of last year, isn't it? And we're not even done in free agency. This this team, you know, this team still has a chance to make a few more splashes if they want to. I think they'll be selective. I think you'll see a lot more of the low end, maybe one or two year player deals, one year with a player option or a team option. Uh, kind of get everybody into the new collective bargaining agreement, which seems to be a priority for a lot of guys. Uh, but the Dolphins. They have a, a great opportunity here. I'm fascinated to get into. Uh, I, I've got a lot of great reviews on the podcast, by the way. And one of the ones that that I read recently stated, you know, Kyle is a draft guy. This is a, a perfect time of year for him. Interested to see how, once we get into the season, uh, what his podcast and what his analysis brings because he's at his core a draft guy. You know, at, at my core, I'm a football guy, right? So, um, I love team building as a whole in that that extends into matchups and league trends and personnel groupings and philosophies on offense. So I'm looking forward to getting into that myself. I know right now this podcast is very team building, free agency, draft heavy. It's the most wonderful time of the year because now we get to set the deck for everything that we're going to talk about for the next 12 months. Uh, but I am definitely looking forward to getting into, we got a little taste of it today, but talking about personnel groupings and how mismatches can be created and what the Dolphins are going to do and whether we like it or what we should would like to see them maybe try instead. I cannot wait. And I hope you guys take this ride with me. I will say this, the listenership on this podcast has been overwhelming since I've stepped into Travis Wingfield's shoes. I hope you guys are listening over at Drive Time to Travis. He is doing awesome work for the Miami Dolphins, and we, as the, our, our Dolphins fan base collectively, should be extremely proud of what Travis has been able to do for himself and what Locked On Dolphins has brought him and what he in return will bring to all of us. So tip of the cap to Travis. Tip of the cap to you. Come back and see me again tomorrow, please. May or may not be opening up the mailbag tomorrow. I want to get it in. And this, this feels like the best day because it's going to slow down a little bit. I say that and watch. The Dolphins are going to sign Clowney or something crazy. I doubt it. But I digress. Kyle Crabb signing off. Thanks for listening to Locked On Dolphins. Come back and see me again tomorrow, guys.